0: Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Welcome back to this week's podcast episode. Thanks for joining me today. If you're new here, welcome, I'm glad to have you. This is the podcast where we talk about building a better kind of online business one that has less of all the things known to increase stress in your life, including moving parts, having a high overhead, and all the headaches that are commonplace with many of today's business models. If you're a long-time listener, I'm glad you're still here. And we've been watching the online business landscape change right before our eyes over the past year or so. Actually, we've been watching the entire world landscape changing right before our eyes if we're honest about it, haven't we? And it's not just the business landscape either. Now, before we get into it today, I have to say, I was a little bit, for the first time in a really long time, a little nervous, a little bit anxious about sitting down and recording today's episode. And the reason is, is there are so many ways that I can wrongly express what it is that I'm trying to express. And let me just preface this by saying that my goal in today's episode is to get you in the state of mind where you're more proactive about how you're going to handle the decisions that you'll be faced with when navigating your own path where your business has taken you where you perceive it going within let's say the next three years or so ai has changed a lot of things it's not just ai a lot of things have changed in the online landscape including the people it's the people themselves that occupy this space and so I wanted to bring some of these things out. I wanted to make a few observances, which probably this is one of the few places you'll hear people talking about it. I know if I'm thinking about it and talking about it that somewhere else there's bound to be other people thinking and talking about it, but it's not a common topic what I'm going to talk about today, and so I wanna do my very best to present you with what I like to call reality. The landscape that we're working in, the terrain we're doing business in, and present you with a few facts which I have seen and that I'm aware of. Again, these aren't popular topics. There's reasons why people don't talk about certain things. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not for your benefit, it's for theirs. But before we get into this, today's episode is brought to you by the Digital Strategist Newsletter and the One To Many System. The Digital Strategist Newsletter is my monthly newsletter. I release it at the end of every month, usually around the 23rd or the 24th. It's absolutely free, and it's designed to give you some insights that can help you think through your own marketing strategies and options. So head over to jimsnewsletter.com to sign up. Back issues are available there as well if you haven't done that already. Also, the One-to-Many System, that's my big course, and this program gives you a complete, scalable marketing strategy and system along with the website and content creation pieces. So you can finally have all of these moving parts put together. Once you do it once, then you understand how the system works. You can use it for any niche, any type of business, any type of product or service. And this is the culmination of my 25 plus years of doing business online. Excuse me. You can go and visit onetomanysystem.com today to learn more about that. All right, now back to what I was talking about. Today, I wanna just share with you some things that have been happening behind the scenes in certain online industries. I may just focus on my own, although I'm aware of several industries. We'll see how it goes. Most people aren't aware of these things or these changes, but I'm going to be speaking today in generalities. And I think it's important that you know what I mean by that so that as we move forward, you don't get the wrong idea of what I'm saying or what I'm not saying. What does it mean to make a general statement? Speaking in generalizations means you're making broad, sweeping statements that apply to a whole group or category of things, people, or situations. But we're not considering or looking at a specific individual, their differences, or any of the nuances that affect maybe one or two people or more in the group. Generalizations involve simplifying what would otherwise be a complex topic or issue by focusing on some of the character uh, traits or common traits, characteristics, I guess you might say, that the group as a whole share, while at the same time not focusing on any type of diversity or unique aspects within that group so for example i might say that and this is a, making a generalization men like action movies most of the men that i know like to sit down and watch a good action movie or are willing to do so it's a general statement maybe there's some men out there that hate action movies for one reason or another but i'm just saying that that statement that general statement applies to more than not in that group. Okay, so that's what I mean by saying that. And the reason why, (laughs) I mean, this may sound like I'm, I don't mean to speak down to anybody, but I don't want to trigger anybody into having an emotional reaction to anything that I say today. Because sometimes when people speak negatively about topics that are close to us, then right away, our defenses go up and we don't even realize when it's happening. And so Everyone gets triggered by certain topics or situations. I mean, the word triggered is such a common word today. It's applied to all kinds of things. But I'm just putting again that word out there, making a generalization because it's up to you to look for yourself and decide whether or not, you know, this is going to apply to you or not. I mean, for example, I could just somebody could turn around and say you know, the last winter, it was just the longest, coldest winter I remember in a long time. And that statement is generally true, but it wouldn't be true in my case because I live in South Florida. So all things being equal, it doesn't make any difference how cold the winter is. It's not cold for me because I live in a subtropic area close to the equator. So um, another example, let me just throw another one out here. If I say that a certain industry is dying, yeah, and, and these are the, fr- the phrases that we use today to describe something that might be shrinking. We could use it of an industry. Say a certain industry is dying or a certain niche is dying. Um, let's use something that is non-triggering, unless you're a boxer or a boxing manager or promoter. I can say, for example, that the sport of boxing is dying. And, you know, I agree with that statement if somebody made that. And that's not to say that boxing's going away. There's still places that it thrives. It may not be thriving in America as it once did, but it's doing better than ever, let's say, in the UK, arguably. But usually, when we say that an industry, a sport, or a market is dying, what we really mean is compared to what it used to be, it's so much less popular now, and there's fewer participants which means there's less money being spent or made in that industry. So having said that, let me make a few general statements about some of the online world's marketplaces that have been experiencing a quiet, maybe call it in the middle of the night, exodus, so to speak. I remember hearing about the old days when I was growing up and back then, this was before the time of credit. A lot of families, just like today, were having trouble making ends meet and so they'd fall behind on their rent and what would happen is in the middle of the night they would back up a truck few cars put all their belongings in there and they would leave and then they would move somewhere else having made plans ahead of time and so i mean it still happens today it happens with businesses i remember recently here in the town that i live in well actually it wasn't that recent now come to think of it but one of the what appeared to be most successful restaurants They just closed up in the middle of the night. The owner of the restaurant withdrew the money, shut down the bank account. He owed, I forgot how much he owed as far as the restaurant's overhead and payroll and all those things goes, he owed quite a bit of money. He disappeared without a trace. I think they found him about a year later. I think he was arrested or something like that. But uh, yeah, this thing still happens. Sometimes when we hear about things happening, especially bad things, we say to ourselves, well, that would never happen again, or that wouldn't happen now, or that couldn't happen today, or, um, you know, and, and it's because human nature never really changes. That's why these situations keep repeating over and over again. Okay. Having said all that, there has been that middle of the night exodus happening in a lot of different industries. And I know that because I personally know the people that have been leaving the industries and, Even though most of them weren't 100% upfront about why they were doing it, they shared enough for me to be able to connect most of the dots. So I'm going to share with you what they shared with me. But let me start by saying this. I'm not so much concerned about where we are today as I am where we might be in the next three years or so if we do nothing at all. In other words, if you get stuck in a mental type of Groundhog Day. Do you remember the movie Groundhog Day? If you've never seen it, you've got to see it at least once, especially if you're a guy. I'm talking about the old movie with Bill Murray where he wakes up and he repeats the same day over and over and over again. And I'm not going to tell you any of the details of the movie. I'll just leave it at that. That day that he repeats over and over happens to be Groundhog Day. So... But sometimes we do that. We kick the can down the road and we fall into this habit of doing the same thing every day over and over and over again. We're on somewhat of an autopilot. I understand why that happens. I've done that myself. But sometimes, I'm sure you'll agree, or most of the time, isn't it better to get ahead of the curve when you have the opportunity to? Isn't it better to get something off your mind by taking action and completing something today rather than putting it off tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day. You know, when I was a kid, there were certain things that were on my plate in front of me for dinner at like every other night that I really didn't like. And so I put those things off until the very last moment. By then they were cold and they taste even worse than they did. But then by the time I had reached my teens, I learned that it's just easier to eat the things that you don't like first. I just learned to get those things out of the way first, eat them first, and that way I can enjoy the rest of my dinner. So I think you'll agree that it's better to get ahead of the curve instead of waiting until the last minute when the problem is twice as big and twice as threatening. Now, over the past several years, more than half of the successful coaches I know of in the area of marketing and sales have been slowly migrating away from it into other types of e-commerce businesses. Why? Because when a business that once consistently generated $200,000 a year or more now struggles to reach $50,000 a year, the problem is beyond things like split-testing new headlines, working with new color palettes, redesigning the website. The marketplace itself has changed. Now Let me talk about marketing in general because I've spent a lot of time in this space. Many of my friends in the early years passed on the digital agency model. This is back in the early days in favor of an information-based business model. They were basically marketers making a living by marketing and selling marketing information. And I have to say 90% of them some of them that made just under a million dollars a year at the at the highest point of their businesses, they've either left the market or are in the process of doing so. And the interesting thing is this, is that a lot of them teach other people how to do what they once did, but can no longer do. Now, I understand that approach to teaching. And one of the reasons why I started with having a digital agency type of business in the early days was because that's where my training was. I came out of the, I guess you could call it the remnants of the old agency world. After I graduated from college, I went to work for an agency that was about 45 minutes from where I lived. It was a big agency. And I learned how the inner workings worked. I wasn't there to try and learn that. I was actually there to start a career. And then I got out of it because even back then, the agency world was a stressful place to be in. But now what's interesting is the fact that as time went on, I began to employ more marketing products into my, I guess you call it, I don't know if you want to call it a sales funnel or not. Maybe you want to call it my general sales inventory that I had. But I found that I enjoyed the process more when my had a, I had more of a hybrid type of business. In other words, I sold some services, I sold some products, I did some consulting, I didn't focus on just doing one thing. And that was because that reflected, my activities reflected the needs of my clients. And so when my clients needed something and were willing to pay for it, that's what I built my skill set around. So I learned how to do sales. I learned how to do marketing. I learned how website development, graphic design, all of those things worked under the agency umbrella. And I sold those products and services for quite a number of years. I still continue to sell them to this day, but now I consider myself more of a solo entrepreneur. Yes, I outsource things. Yes, I still maintain websites that I've had, you know, going on 20 years now for clients who have been lifelong Uh, clients, lifetime clients. I still do all those things. But if you really took a close look at my business, it's more of a hybrid type of business today, where it has multiple streams of online income. And that was something that not that I planned it out very meticulously. But I reacted to changes in the terrain that I was working in, I reacted to things that I was thinking. And if I only reacted to what was popular at the time, then I think I wouldn't be in a very good place today and that was one of the things motivating me to talk about this today because I believe a lot of people are in what we might call dying marketplaces and they don't realize it yet because there aren't enough people talking about it yet matter of fact I recognized years back that certain topics come and go in the online world especially in the business marketing and sales sector For example, in the 1990s, learning copywriting was hot. It was a hot topic for many years, maybe even a decade, and then suddenly it died out. It has had a bit of a resurgence. We've seen things like newsletters as topics, but very rarely do you build a long-lasting business around a topic that is hot and then it's not, meaning that you're focusing on 100% that and that's all you're doing. And that's why I adopted more of a hybrid type of approach of business. I got involved in email marketing very early and so on. But back to my friends, when you're making $200,000 a year, I don't care what you're doing. You could be coaching, you could be selling services, you can be selling uh, products, e-commerce, whatever you're doing when you have to understand your business in order to get there. I mean, you can be totally lucky, I guess, and just hit the right thing at the right time I mean that's kind of like winning the lottery, right? But you're not going to be able to do that year after year after year and maintain it on just luck. You're going to have to have some kind of understanding. So the people that I'm talking about that were making 200, 300,000, even 100,000 doing certain things and now are struggling to reach 40 and 50,000 after having reached those numbers successfully a decade plus, that's telling you that the marketplace itself, the times have changed, the people have changed remember we're talking about a marketplace we're not just talking about when i say marketplace what what do you think about i mean do you see buildings do you see some type of outdoor marketplace where there's vendors and there's people well let's just forget about like the the peripherals that go with a marketplace forget about if we're talking about a physical marketplace forget about the buildings forget about the stands forget about the technology if it wasn't for the people in that marketplace, then all of those other things would cease to exist. Same thing online. So the marketplace is really a group of people. And you have to understand that when a group of people go through phases, we see it in the movies, right, where suddenly they're making a movie about a certain topic and then comes more movies out if that's successful and more and more, and then the interest, the public interest changes. Public interest, that may be a, a good way of describing it. We talk about a marketplace because the marketplace has its own interest. So it's a subgroup of a larger group, but its interest moves. It doesn't stay the same. It doesn't stay static. And that's why the products and services the market wants to buy changes over time. And so what I'm saying then is that when you have people generating $200,000, $400,000 uh, a year, coaching. Now they could be coaching, doing, um, you know, sales, marketing, uh, they could be executive coaches. When you see those numbers drop, that's telling me more about the market than it is about what those people are doing to reach the market. That's telling me the market has changed. Now, marketers have done this, unfortunately. They've convinced people that when you're not selling, when the income is no longer there, it's a sales or marketing problem. And they've said this for so long that most people believe it or more people believe it than not. So in other words, if your sales are dipping, it's because your salespeople aren't doing as well as they were in the past. Maybe they're getting lazy or they're not communicating properly or they need to up their game. And very rarely, now this is from the place of upper management, upper management are the first to realize when the marketplace changes, but they're not going to go out there and tell their salespeople, hey, we understand why you're not selling. It's because there's less people buying. Less people buying is not an acceptable reason for lower sales in the mind of most upper management people. It's easier to just push it downstream on the salespeople and on bad management and a lot of things, but it's very rare that somebody actually says the marketplace has changed. And so what happens is you have people entering into certain industries that have shrunk tremendously. Why? Because they're getting in at the tail end. They're not riding the wave. They're getting in at the tail end of it and what's happening is they believe that their inability to sell, their inability to grow a mailing list, their inability to get views on their video is due to a marketing or sales problem. And so it's to the advantage of the marketing and salespeople to promote that as reality so that you continue to buy more marketing, more sales um, courses, more consulting, more coaching. And at the end of the day, no coach, no consultant and and there's a reason, of course, for this, is going to take responsibility for your success or your failure. Well, actually, I should change that. There are quite a few coaches and consultants that will inadvertently kind of take more or less the um, responsibility for you having succeeded. But at the end of the day, you have to do the work. That old saying that you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I mean, I know there's a lot of times that I've advised people of what to do and they haven't followed through and they haven't succeeded. And then I have advised people on what to do. They follow through. They succeeded even more than I did. And I like to think that, hey, I was just the person giving the information. They did it or they didn't. They give me the credit a lot of times. When people succeed, they come back. They'll give you the credit for it. But if, it's, if the result was the result of them having done the work, then, yeah, I mean, you were there. Let's say it's a team effort, but most of the effort is put forth by the person actually there. I remember... Mike Tyson said that once, you know, does a great fighter really need a, a great trainer? And he said at one point in his career that if he had just an average trainer in his corner, he could have done just as good. He said, because the trainer wasn't the one taking the punches. The trainer wasn't the one doing the, the road work. The trainer wasn't one the one doing the, the sparring and so on and so forth. So we can look at coaches and consultants and we can say that. However, there is also a truth that If you've ever had a good teacher in your lifetime, let's just talk about when you went to school. If you've ever had a good teacher, you can probably count them on one hand and have some fingers left over. And you remember that there was something about the attention that they gave you that made a difference in your life specifically. And I believe that to be true of good coaches and good consultants. They can help you see things you otherwise probably would have missed. And the result of you having seen that is what transforms. The results that you're getting okay i said all that let me just leave that on the table i believe the coaching i believe the consulting for the most part i believe those areas are dying now if you're in that now i don't say that to discourage you i'm saying that because this is the reality and i'm seeing nobody's talking about it's not just with coaches and consultants either do i believe that you can make it as a coach or a consultant absolutely But there are more once successful coaches and consultants leaving the sales and marketing markets who did consulting than in the past. Now in the business to business space, consulting is still strong, but things there have also changed. For example, if you see a 5,000 square foot waterfront home with a Tesla, maybe two parked in the driveway, and the kids are enrolled in a private school, the odds are slim that the owner of that home is an internet marketing coach or consultant. Now, a bunch of my friends who developed websites and did SEO for a living, they, too, are moving out of those markets in favor of using those skills to build different kinds of businesses. Now, I don't put that information out there to trigger anyone. And again, I'm speaking in generalities. We're not looking at the nuances of a specific individual. In your case, it may make all the sense in the world to continue doing what you're doing, but you also need to be aware of, I believe, what's happening on the other side because with more information, maybe you can make better decisions. Can you still make a living as a web designer or an SEO specialist as examples? Well, sure, but the average person isn't going to get rich and stay that way in those fields as they are today. And more importantly, many of my friends are now discovering that the same energy they were putting into growing a web design and SEO business is creating a much larger, faster return with less effort doing other kinds of e-commerce. And to be totally transparent with you, that even has me taking a second look at what I'm doing and considering the possibility that there may be better options out there. Now, in my personal life experience with my own business, 2023, Everything is going really well. Arguably, this is the best year I've had since being in business. I'm totally grateful for it. But when I look at the details of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, things are happening not because of my direct efforts, because honestly, I haven't really put that much effort into growing my business. It's happening organically But that doesn't mean I'm going to ignore what I see playing out in the world and with others all around me. I acknowledge the fact that fewer people are willing to spend the big bucks in areas and for things they didn't think twice about five years ago or so. And that includes some of the services that I offer. Now, again, I'm making a general observation here. It doesn't apply to everyone. It doesn't apply to everything. Personally, I still build websites from time to time. If I were focusing on building websites full time, I think I'd probably focus at this point on building e commerce sites because they demand a higher price point. But all that said, there are also growing marketplaces where you can grow things like mailing lists and subscribers much faster on average as compared with the markets that are more business focused. Remember, you and I, we always have options. We're not locked into anything. I know it may feel like you're locked into something, but if push came to shove, none of us have to be stuck in any particular market. Now, the question is, which markets are currently expanding? This is something that I've been looking into in great detail over the past few weeks, and what I found is very few of them seem to be business related. Now, I know that sounds funny putting it that way, because business is what the exchange of products and services or goods for money. I'm not talking about that there's not money in these uh, niches, in these markets. Obviously, there are. But the focus of the markets have more to do with things like hobbies, entertainment, and Basic escapism, I don't know what other word I could use than that, but these markets aren't only growing, but they appear to have a very bright future. And this makes sense too when you really think about it. For example, why do people watch movies? Why do they watch sports? Why do they plant gardens or paint or build things at home? Because it's a form of entertainment and escapism. Some people may say it's a distraction, whatever word you want to use. I was thinking that last week the Premier League in England kicked off its new season. And I can't tell you how many people I heard who are into this say, oh, thank God football is back. Thank God the Premier League is back again. And that's soccer here in America, football over there. But in a few weeks, American football will kick off its season, its new season with the NFL. People will join fantasy football leagues. They'll watch games with friends and things like that. But The point is, is that all of this plays out in this backdrop of the time we're living in. Think about it. We are living in a contentious, bad news society and world right now, which is more intense than I ever remember in my lifetime, the way things are right now. And there's a reason why so much ad revenue gets pumped into all of these things that fall under that entertainment escapism, distraction markets, if you want to call it that. There's a reason why athletes make so much money because all the advertising revenue, they're getting a piece out of that. That's where the big money comes in. Matter of fact, if you go back historically and look at how sports worked until the 1950s with the advent of TV, the athletes, the baseball players, the boxers, the football players, none of these people made millions of dollars a year And yes, you might say, well, that was the 1950s. People didn't make that kind of money, but they didn't even make hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. A lot of athletes wound up broke when their careers were over. And today, it's not just, you know, uh, accounting for inflation, they're making millions of dollars. No, it's the fact that TV brought ad revenue into sports and it transformed the money that was available to athletes. And so a lot of people said that at the time, I've read articles, old articles about it, that TV was going to ruin sports because players, individuals were going to make an astronomical amount of money. It was going to become all about money and not about the pureness of the sport, baseball, football, whatever. And so is that true? Well, you know, you can make a good argument for that. But at the end of the day, if you're the person getting the money, you're probably not thinking that that you're making too much money. But think about it. People that entertain, you know, football players, soccer players, athletes, actors, people that do that, uh, writers even that have their books turned into movies. And are they really, is that entertainment worth them becoming multimillionaires, in some case, billionaires? I'm throwing that out there because this same dynamic exists in the online world. There's advertising revenue that goes into certain topics a lot more than other topics. For example, in the world of finance, if you're talking about anything having to do with finance, then a lot of ad revenue can be heading your way, especially if you're doing something like a YouTube channel or something like that. But I I don't want to go down any one of these single paths, talking about specific niches. I'm just saying that in general, things that involve entertainment, escapism, things that keep get people's minds off of work, paying bills, relationship problems, all of that stuff happens to be areas that are growing and probably will continue to grow into the foreseeable future. As one of my friends said to me last week, there's a larger audience of men out there who would rather watch a how-to fishing video than would ever look for information on business topics. And he has a point. As an entrepreneur, maybe you've tried to help one of your non-entrepreneur friends or relatives start an online business. Maybe you've seen that they were struggling. I've done this before. And, you know, setting up WordPress is easy, right? And, and if it isn't, you can pay someone on Fiverr or a dozen other places to do it for you setting up plugins and installing that, it's not very difficult. But we're thinking about that from the vantage point of being an entrepreneur. And you've probably spent more time than you realize learning how to do everything that you're doing today. With that said, starting a business or taking the entrepreneurial path, it's not a workable option for a lot of people that are out there. Anyway, as I said at the beginning of today's episode, I was a little concerned about sharing this topic and sharing my thoughts with all of you today, Because I didn't want anyone to think I was talking down about their business, their market, their plans, or wherever they see themselves going in the next three years or so. I'm sharing this information also because I'm seeing that the best opportunities of our time may be found in some of the not so obvious markets and niches that are out there. And of course, I'm sharing it because I can't unsee what I see happening behind the scenes and the cracks that have appeared in the foundation of many of the markets that we occupy today. You know, I've been in this space for so long, my thinking automatically goes into creating the same products, marketing, sales information, that kind of thing, but doing it for a different niche or a different audience. And I know it's that way with a lot of people in this kind of marketplace because we live, breathe, and eat this all the time, day in and day out. But I have to tell you that from seeing other people branching out into other areas, other markets that have nothing to do, with selling business information or business advice or marketing or sales information or sales advice it's kind of a breath of fresh air so I'll definitely share with you going forward if I decide to test out some of these other niches and marketplaces and hopefully I've given you something to think about for yourself alright that's all I have for you today I hope you enjoyed this episode if it will help a friend or you think it will help a friend please go ahead, copy and paste, share the episode link with them, share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else you may be. Or you can send them directly to my website, jimgaleano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you later.